gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hall of Justice. This is episode number 188, and we are here. This is going to be our spoiler review of Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War. We're also going to hear from Chris Gorham, the Flash. He plays the Flash in this. But uh, for this review, uh, Victor Dandridge is back. And uh, Victor, thank you so much. You had the uh, week off. We had the great Nelson Lee, uh, who was awesome. He, uh, we talked all about Stargirl. And so uh, we're, I'm looking forward. I want to see where that goes. I'm in. Yeah, man, it's a fun show. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. It's, it's, it's been good. And he had a unique perspective because, you know, he's a minority and all minorities have been facing a lot of things. But you are African-American and we never chose you because of that. We chose you because of something called Con TV that came up yes. on my Facebook memories. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you and I have had racial conversations before. Uh, right. The one that I remember was, well, two. One was Black Panther. Right. When we talked about Black Panther, because the Black Panther can only have a, a, an impact on you that I can't have on me. And I love the movie. But I couldn't give it a 10 out of 10 because I'm not black. I'm not African-American. And for an African-American, it's like a 12 out of 10. And right. as, as great as that movie is. The other one was I hate the N-word in the Luke Cage. And right. I hate the N-word, the Negro word in uh, Black Lightning. Remember that conversation? Right. So yep. you, you and I have talked race before. And actually, you were a guest on a friend of mine's podcast about the n-word which i heard and i thought you guys did a really really good job on that was that. a great conversation um but we are a couple of weeks removed if you're listening to this uh, you know when it comes out we're a couple of re- weeks removed from the the tragic killing of uh george floyd there have been black lives matter uh, uh protests all over there have been riots um it has fractured our country even more and amidst this pandemic, now there's more people at risk. There's so many things going on. I thought uh, CNN did a great job uh, combining with Sesame Street uh, to do a, like a town hall where they address some of the things. But I just wanted to get your perspective on it. And you can say whatever you want. I mean, this is as much your show as anybody's. Um, just tell us how you're feeling, man. Well, it's, it's one of those things where, um, from my perspective, I guess in many ways I'm, I'm what you call a more palatable black man. Um, and I say that almost not, I don't mean to be self deprecating or, or making fun of anything, but I'm the guy that so many of my, my white friends can go to and say, Hey, I, I feel this way. Am I wrong? And mm-hmm. they know that while I'm going to give them an honest answer, I'm not necessarily going to 
um, dismiss them or, or uh, hate them for their question, their perspective, you know, anything. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lash out at them for anything that they might say or do that might ring with an air of ignorance. Um, and it's actually come up quite a few times over the last, you know, couple of, of days, really, where, you know, people are really concerned wanting to ask questions that they know they probably should ask, but it makes them uncomfortable. And I'm okay with that. You know, I, I appreciate that they have found the security in our friendship um, to ask those questions that, you know, ideally speaking, will move them forward to be more inclusive people. Um but it's hard, you know, uh, there's been, you know, in Columbus where I am, uh, there's been some very severe, uh, actions from the police, uh, against protesters. We've actually had, you know, city officials, state officials that were a part of the protest that have been, you know, tear gas, maced, rubber bullets shot at them. And, and there's imagery of it that's spreading all across the country. And it's so crazy to be like, yo, that's happening here. Like, that's not, you know, in, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, and I, I hate to say it this way, but, it's it would make sense if it's in Minneapolis where George Floyd's death occurred. It makes sense when it's in the major, major metropolitan areas like New York or Chicago or L.A., because those are, you know, the, the, the centerpieces of society from American standpoints. So when it happens in Columbus, Ohio, which so many people are like, isn't that like a cow town? We really aren't. But this is one of those things where it really pushes that we're not. You know, we are we're very much so a, a major metropolitan. Um, and even sometimes we as citizens of Columbus have to be reminded. Um, but, yeah, and it's, got, it's and you got the blue jacket. Exactly. Like, but that's really our only <laughs> professional team now. <laughs> I know, I know. So when you like, oh, yeah, our pro team is hockey. What are you, <laughs> Canadian? Like, what is that? Like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't ring. Yeah. But uh, but, yeah, man, it's 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 testy. It's dangerous. Um, unfortunately, it is inevitable. There's been such a long history of actions against, you know, black citizens of America um, that this was going to happen if it continued to perpetuate. And there's so many people that unfortunately have the idea that since they've never seen it, it must not exist. And that's that's a problem. You know, it's only going to add to people's frustrations and their lashing out and 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 that response. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's there there requires or this requires a lot of understanding from a lot of people um, before this all gets meted out. And I don't know if we'll see that in the immediate sense, but that is the truth. Like there's there's a lot that needs to actually be laid out, talked about, discussed honestly, and not excused or dodged in order for this to really kind of, you know, heal itself. Well, it's very well said. And, you know, this whole thing has had impacted so many people in different ways. Um, my direct connection to it was really accidental. Um, and it was on uh, last week's episode of sports with friends. Um, I do this, this show on Twitch with a Tom Thomas, a uh, former NBA mm-hmm. player who's, a, a, you know, he's a social activist. So he's very, very in, in all this. And he didn't tell me uh, before the show, um, but he, he often doesn't tell me who the guests are before the show. He'll, you know, if he books them late or whatever. And he says to me, he says, we're having Emerald Garner on. And I said, Oh, wow. 
who's Emerald Garner? You know, because off the top of my head, I didn't it didn't ring a bell. And right. he said, that's Eric Garner's daughter. And it wasn't that Emerald Garner couldn't be Eric Garner's daughter. It was, you know her? Like, like that's right. what, right. that's what, I, like, I never, I, I, I knew the context. If, if he had said to me, we're having Eric Garner's daughter on, I know exactly who Eric Garner is. Eric Garner is right. a Staten Island man who was choked to death by cops yeah. um, six years ago. And, um, and I knew that story. And so I didn't have time to prepare for it. And we had her on and it was a video chat because it was live on Twitch. And I was shaken like to my core, like th- that freaked me out. Um, and the fact that you could hear what her life has been like. And Atan told a story and I wanted to just ask you this and then we can go back to superheroes and apocalypse uh, and, 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 and that, tra- that disaster. Um, that, <laughs> well, that almost kind of correlates. Yeah, scary. No, no joke. Um, uh, he said that, that, you know, he lives in a, in a very well to do area in Maryland and I don't count your pennies. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know where you live exactly, but I know you have children and I know you have family and you are very close with your family. He said that he makes it a point to on a fairly regular basis, uh, talk to his kids, even the young ones. That's why I, I made me think of you, uh, about never walk by yourself. Don't mm-hmm. walk on the street with your hands in your pockets. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you are stopped by police, here's what you do. Like he's giving all of those things and that's something. And I don't apologize for being white. Like I, I, I I wasn't, I didn't get to pick that, you know, but that's a conversation I never had. And my best friend who's been gone for five years was black. And I never had that conversation with him. He might have done it with his kids, but I never had that conversation with him. I do remember when Eric Garner was killed uh, talking to Daryl about it because Daryl was still alive, but Mm -hmm. we never talked about the thing with the kids. And I just, that was the other part of this that I thought I needed to know, like, is that something that your parents taught you? Is that something that you have to teach your kids? Um, So this is where the the cultural differences um, really kind of come into play. Uh, Yes. This is a conversation that, um, in many different ways has been explained to me since I was a child. I was, I was 12 years old when my mother told me the truth about how society sees me as a young black man. Um, and the statements, particularly in the, uh, you know, mid nineties was, uh, by the time I'm 16, I'm supposed to be dead or in jail. Statistically, that's what society says about me. And her rule was either that was not going to be true or, one aspect of it, specifically my death, would be true, and it would be by her hand. She would kill me before she allowed for me to become a statistic, you know, uh, uh, figure uh, under any circumstance. So, considering that that was that was you know twenty plus years ago that we had to have that conversation, literally more than twenty five years ago that we had to have that conversation as a statement of reality. I had to have a similar conversation with my sons. Um, you know, my sons, uh, how, how old, if you could, if you don't yeah. mind. So I've got, I've got three sons, 17, 16, and 14. Now the 17 year old, 
he he is is not my bi- biological son, and therefore he doesn't look like me. Um, in fact, if you were to see him, you might not know that he is biracial. His mother's black, but his father's white, and so you might not know. You could easily just be like, "Oh no, that's a that's a white kid," and just kind of keep it moving. Um, but my 16 and 14 year old, very clearly African American, no question about it. Um, they're both fairly tall gentlemen for their age. Uh, my 14 year old is six, four. Um, that's he, he's going to stand out, you know, um, easily a target, if you will. Um, and they actually live in a fairly affluent and also fairly white part of town with their mother. I have to tell them especially to be careful. You know, you are standing out in the crowd where you live because you are not the general demographic that lives out there. So be very careful. How you respond is very important. My thing is, is we, we've raised our children in mass today to respond to things that they don't think is right. That is a luxury that we have instilled and we've, we fought and built for them. However, there comes a huge cost when dealing with um, figures like the police if you invoke it. The truth is, is, is we have to teach our kids, we as, as Black people have to teach our kids to take a subservient role in the in immediate present and then let us fight judiciously after the fact if there is something that's wrong. They can't stand up for themselves in the moment because unfortunately, as Black citizens, you are not considered innocent until proven guilty. You are guilty until proven innocent. And that that is one of those things that um, is, is showcased in people's response to you know George Floyd. When people are coming out saying, well, he had a criminal past, that is not what got him killed. That's not the point, yeah. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not the issue at all. So it is, it is indicative. It invokes that same concept that we, as Black citizens, are not held to the same standard as other citizens. And that can go in a lot of different ways. It doesn't just mean white people. Uh, it could be, you know, Asian Americans. It could be uh, Hispanic Americans. It could be, you know, I- any number of people that don't quite get held to that same standard. And that's the issue. That's the conversation that's that's attempting to be had. And it's the one that, you know, gets undermined when you say all lives matter. When you talk about black on black crime, that's not the conversation. Stick with the conversation. Yeah. It, you know, saying it, it's gotten some people in trouble and some of it is ignorance and some of it uh, isn't um, saying the words all lives matter is not is it, it, is not racist but saying it in the context of finding right. out about black lives matter you are ignorant and it's probably because you are racist and that's right. that's the flaw in in the conversation you know grant napier the pl- longtime play-by-play voice of the sacramento kings was was fired after 36 years for saying all lives matter and i don't think that's what he had in mind and i think that's more of an education thing and so what right. I'm saying is I'm not condoning what Grant Napier said. He shouldn't have been fired for that. James Gunn got brought back to Guardians of the Galaxy for much worse. And, he, you know, you could call him ignorant if you'd like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you can. But you, you can, can you can you can cure ignorance. Correct. You can educate. Yeah. You can, yeah. Educate. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Educate. Don't. Um, 
what, what's the phrase? Don't, don't, don't just bash him. Drew right. Brees can be a great asset to the Black Lives Matter mo- movement. Drew Brees raised millions of dollars and helped dozens, not dozens, hundreds, if not thousands of people in New Orleans after Katrina. Right. And they were black. So Drew Brees is not a racist. And Drew Brees has a feeling about the, the flag and that, gu- that, that misguides his judgment. And I don't want to get into this whole thing, but Colin Kaepernick's message was mixed. Yes, he shouldn't have to explain himself, but there were people in this country that didn't understand. And if Colin Kaepernick had done a better job educating, and my big issue with Colin Kaepernick is he didn't go on the Today Show or Good Morning America or any of those shows. He didn't. They were. I know this for a fact. There were two all sports radio stations that were literally willing to mud wrestle for the chance to give him an hour commercial free to talk about social justice and black lives matter. Like Colin Kaepernick had his chances, but he didn't want to do that. He just wanted to to kneel and wear a Fidel Castro shirt. And I thought Colin Kaepernick was wrong. And he was wrong because what his message became was so misguided. Seattle Seahawks players told my friend who covers the Seahawks, they didn't even know why they were kneeling. That's wrong. That's wrong. But Drew Brees didn't say that. <laughs> Drew Brees said it in a in a callous, insensitive way, and thus he was lambasted in New Orleans for it. And all I'm saying is this is where we have an opportunity as a society to educate and show people the way and don't have this chip on your shoulder because what you th- perceive as somebody who should know better doesn't know better well i guess that's that's kind of the issue and i got to give you a little pushback because like you said no one should have to explain a simple truth that's the problem that is literally the issue this is a simple truth and the notion of needing to explain it becomes just as damning where you look at the person say well you didn't explain that one should not have to this okay. should be one of those things but, where. But what do you is, think the truth? What What is the truth that I'm not getting? Well, I understand that Black right. Lives Matter. Right. If I don't understand, if I ask the question to the general public, the non-racist general public, right? Why did Colin Kaepernick kneel? I don't think a hundred percent of them knew. And what I'm saying is, Colin Kaepernick, if you're going to make that bold a statement, make sure your message is to, to coin the phrase on brand. Here's the, and, here's the problem. He could here's have the it. absolute problem with that. Okay. I'm, I'm not in sports. You know that. Like, I'm not I a know. sports guy in, in general. I, I like sports, but I'm not active in it. If I know what his message was, that he did his job. He absolutely did it. The people that don't know didn't want to. He said it. There's plenty of people who have said it. So if I could find out, as a person that is, I'm not like... While I like football, I'm not a I'm not a 49ers fan. So I'm not right. watching his games. I'm not looking for him. So if if as me as a non-participant to his career, if I could find out what it is that he's standing for or kneeling for in this regard, anybody could. It was not the fault of him and how he expressed it, explained it, or any part of that. Because me, little old me from Columbus, Ohio, heard it loud and clear, understood. Anyone that didn't, that's a choice. The problem is, yeah, but but when 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 his own player, when when Seattle Seahawks players are not understanding the message, 
the message got mixed. And, you know, unfortunately, no, that's, that's, that's the a, president, they, they were those kneeling because of the president. They weren't kneeling because of Eric Garner or Trayvon Martin or, see, or that's, that's, that's Freddie Gray. Anytime, anytime someone makes a stand, and that's, that's, that's part of the issue here, Ka- Kaepernick made a, a stand for himself. He didn't ask for anybody to follow suit with him. He did what he did because that's what he wanted to do. If other people follow suit without knowing, that's on them because he didn't ask for that. He wasn't asking to be uh, a leader of something. He just wanted to say what he wanted to say, and he did it. For other people to uh, not understand his intention should have no bearing on what they decide to do. They decided that. If they decided to kneel for whatever reason, that's on them. If they didn't understand his reasoning, didn't matter because they had to choose what they wanted to do for themselves. Okay. That's, you know, but that, but again, this becomes part of the, and and I have to be very, very clear when I say this, because it's not racist by, by direct comparison of, of hard, true, overt racism. It's not, but there is a systemic indoctrination that does that when you, when you look at something and you, and you ask those questions or uh, like you said, You've never had to have that kind of conversation with your children. That's not a racist sentiment. It is it is an systemic indoctrination. You've never had to do it. It doesn't make you wrong. It just right. means that this is the way the system works and us as being parts of it, we have different experiences. Boom. You know. And that's the thing that too many people are struggling with navigating is if I am a part of this, you know, systemic indoctrination by way of not knowing, am I racist? No, that doesn't make you racist. It just makes you an un, an unwitting participant in a system that is actually racist. There's, there's difference. There's new. I, I, I completely understand. And I, I, I think that this is a conversation that I'd be willing to give up whole episodes to if we, if we want oh, man, yeah. people come here for, for superhero stuff and, and of course, I knew this was not going to be a short conversation. <laughs> I just, it but never it's, it's is. No, but it's a necessary thing and it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. important. And, you know, there are so many people who are listening that say, how can I help? I don't know what to do. And that's the key is the key is learn. The key is watch. The key is support. And if you can support either with finances, but you know, that's hard to ask people to do, especially yeah. now in this, this pandemic, but do me a favor, you know, if they're having a gathering, bring a mask, bring gloves right. and walk and do what you can. And I will say the only reason I, I didn't was we saw pictures of it and no one was respecting social distance. And I didn't right. want to put my family at risk. You know, we've been staying inside for 12 gosh darn weeks that we're not <laughs> we're not blowing it now. You know what I mean? Not, right. not at what looked like a very disorganized thing, but. A lot of the other thing uh, rallies that I saw were great. They were after the stuff in D.C. was great. The stuff in Los Angeles was great. And, you know, I, you saw celebrities do be taking part. You saw politicians taking part. I thought it was it was beautiful. It really was. And I'm I hope it doesn't stop. You know, you know, after Eric Garner, this was a big story and then it died. And I don't want this right. to just just, you know, wither away because we have another crisis on our hands in this great 2020.
We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice, but first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do. And yeah, we talk about it from time to time. But anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. They've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish Geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. All right, good good discussion. We could do this for hours. Maybe what we should do is a whole episode uh, on this subject. Maybe get some other people. Maybe get some comic creators or some television creators or movie creators. Just somebody else, you know, to to offer opinions on this. And I wouldn't mind if it's white or black. You know what I mean? I I, I don't mind as long as people are. Well, yeah, you got to have a diverse right. conversation. Yeah, and 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 it doesn't have to be all one way. It does, it has to be multifaceted. But we do have comic right. book. Uh, comic book news, haha. <laughs> comic book superhero TV news. Uh, and I, there's a couple of doozies over at the CW. Um, earlier this week, Hartley Sawyer. Now, if I told you who's Hartley Sawyer, would you know that? Would you know that answer? No, I would no. not. I'll be honest. I'll be no. honest. I mean, I would have said, Oh, I recognize him. Right. You know what I mean? I, I recognize because I, I know the name because I, I look at the credits and I love The Flash. I've seen every right. episode of The Flash. Uh, uh, Hartley Sawyer plays or played uh, Ralph Dibney, uh, who comic book fans know is the elongated man. Yes. And they did it on a TV budget and they made him cool. And it, to me, it, you know, it doesn't matter about his character. Uh, Hartley Sawyer was fired uh, from the show. After a series, not just one, a series of consistently offensive tweets and social media comments made before his hiring uh, were unearthed and publicized. Uh, The tweets are full of vitriol. They are grossly sexist, violent, racist, fat phobic, problematic language in what appears to be the in the effort of shock humor. Sawyer has since deleted his Twitter account in reaction. Um, on the heels of everything we talked about, uh, yeah. on the heels of inclusion and on the heels of, of 
uh, everything in context. You know, Drew Brees is getting cursed at. Drew Brees is a, right. a New Orleans history, uh, a New Orleans hero, uh, right. and he's getting cursed at. Uh, the this is this is a no brainer move. Like this is what uh, the Flash, the Berlanti crew, and uh, Eric Wallace issued a statement. And I'll read it to you. But this had to happen, right? No, no. Okay, tell me why. Okay, here here's the thing. Drew Brees and his comments are absolutely recent. It is one hundred percent in the now. Um, that is that is topical. When you have to look years. And we are talking years. What is it? 2012 years to mm-hmm. find what, what bad things were said in the, in, in I, you can call it stupidity. You can call it ignorance. That was eight years ago. There is a yeah. number of changes that a person can undergo that would make those things absolutely 100% irrelevant. That could be a sign of people not even understanding how Twitter was supposed to work. And they thought that in order to get any sort of attention, you had to say wild, semi-vicious things just to get He was trying to be humorous. He was trying to do shock jock humor. And, okay, so let's take this uh, one step further. There was a guy, uh, pitch for the Milwaukee Brewers, or pitches for the Milwaukee, if they ever play again, uh, Josh Hader. Uh, He's a relief pitcher, all-star. And Josh Hader... Uh, they found some old tweets of his and he met his teammates. And what he did was he sat down in the clubhouse and he met his teammates and his teammates told him what they thought. And what I said was, I don't want to ban him. I don't want to suspend him. I wouldn't cut him because then somebody else could sign him. Right. And I just, I wouldn't want my daughter to date him. That's how I said it. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's exactly how, how I said it about Josh Hader. Should I have the same attitude about Hartley Sawyer? Like, should he get on a Zoom chat with Grant Gustin and uh, and and, and uh, Carlos Valdez and all the all the Flash people, Candace Patton, and rip him a new one? Or do you think the Eric Wallace talked to Grant Gustin and said, "What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do here?" I mean, literally coming off of a situation to to expound on it a little bit more, Grant Gustin taking the time to sidestep uh, Stephen Amell's podcast last week during uh, some of the most heated turmoil and Stephen still deciding to go ahead and do it. Uh, maybe it was a, a Gustin call. You know, Gustin is trying to, you know, not be guilty by association under any, you know, circumstance of, of any sort of, you know, vitriol or, or dark sentiment statements or what have you. So if it was Grant's call, I mean, I get it. I just am not a fan of people digging up dirt that again, years ago, if, if he, if he, if it was consistent behavior right now, yeah, by all means, get rid of it. But that but, we don't know, but that we don't right. know. We don't know that. Or, or, and we can't assume, we can't assume like maybe uh, Hartley Sawyer's a dick and maybe, right. maybe they don't like him and they found this and they said, we have no place for this. This is this is it. This is the thing. But that's that's what I'm saying, though. Like if a person if you don't like a person and you have to put in that kind of work to get them removed, then that's that's not the way that is literally not. the way. But I don't think uh, Grant Gustin or Candace Patton found the tweets. I think, you know, listen, what you put on social media is available. Right. And I can I can say flat out, I have never written something that. I thought would get me fired. Right. 
Um, I have liked things. What was the thing that I liked that people got mad that I liked? Uh, oh crap! What was that? Because even that? I got messages about that. You what got messages that? like, "How did I like?" I, I liked the tweet, and what "like" on Twitter used to mean was bookmark. Right. You, you know like, what I mean? So, so you could see it again. Right. So I could see it again, and that's what I had done. <laughs> and and people were like, "How could you like that? How could and you was, like this? What? This is your guy? This?" Is, and I was like, "Whoa, right. whoa, whoa, whoa! That's not even. Oh no! You needed to be able to come back to it and find it again. What?" Yeah. Right, and that's not a retweet. And since then, they've added the bookmark feature on Twitter. Right. Um, so and I remember that. Go back and find stuff. But I mean, again, it, this is—we'll call this again part of the cultural conversation. Um, I got to give a shout out to Charlemagne the God, awesome podcaster, radio personality uh, out of New York. He said that based on this cancel culture, you know, motif, M- Malcolm Little could have never become Malcolm X. Because everyone would have looked at what he had done as Malcolm Little and would have would have like gate kept. They, they would have they would have just said you're out. You're yeah, he never could have become Malcolm X because everybody wants their heroes to be pristine. We're people. And we, in some way, shape, and, or form, and just to be consistent, and just to be consistent, we both wanted James Gunn back. Yeah, and, and we said he would be. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why there's got to be more to this. You that's, know what I mean? There's, there's got to be more. Let me, read you, let me read you the statement from Eric Wallace. It says, yeah. Hartley Sawyer will not be returning for season seven of The Flash. In regards to Mr. Sawyer's posts on social media, we do not tolerate derogatory remarks that target any race, ethnicity, national origin, gender, or sexual orientation. Uh, such remarks are anti antithetical uh, to our values. Hey, man, he, that's why he's a showrunner. He uses <laughs> antithetical. Um, I use Grammarly. Um, to our values and policies, which strive and evolve to promote a safe, inclusive, and productive environment for our workforce. I, Grant Gustin said, uh, I don't have much to add because Eric's thoughts are stated so eloquently, and he used antithetical, mm-hmm. uh, and powerfully. Uh, I will say I was shocked, saddened, and angry when I saw the tweets. Words matter. But is Here, this okay. is this is this? Uh, I, I, I'm going to kick myself for saying this. Is this posturing because of the culture and the Kaepernick conversation and the the the, the, the Floyd conversation and all the protests and things like that? And that how could the Flash that they were really worried more about the reaction because. God, nobody thought the Drew Brees reaction would be what it was. And I keep making that analogy because Drew Brees is a good guy that said an ignorant thing. And he's, also, he's also the leader of his team. Agreed. Agreed. You this know. is right. This is not Grant Gustin. This is yeah, Hartley this is, is yeah. a bit player, whatever. But well, his but, character okay. to me was I and I said this to you. He is DC's. Well, we have him. So let's use him. Right. And and more to the point, I think what this does is, is this going to change the culture of hiring in Hollywood now, where there's now going to be a new job where your your specific task is to go through someone's entire social media presence and make sure that they've never said anything that could be taken offensively in order for them to get the job. So it's no longer that you have to actually be decent actor. You have to have never said anything that someone somewhere could decide 
nah, that that wasn't cool. Even if it was something that at the time, culturally, it was okay. Like literally this type of thing, I'm surprised the hip hop community hasn't had the entire 1990s just washed out in cancel culture. You know the kind of language that hip hop used in the 90s, uh, man? It's the, it's the worst, yeah. Well, like yeah. You and 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 it's it's amazing like the the fact that you can still listen to hip hop, 90s hip hop today and not be crucified for it is mind-blowing with the way that this stuff works. And I'm not saying that that anyone should go after, you know, uh hip hop artists or these songs. They were they were a time it was a mark of the culture. It was a mark of the time period. Don't whitewash it now and act like it's not okay. Just like we shouldn't go back through people's timelines years and years and years in the past to find something that they said that we don't like now. That's not, that's not healthy. Uh, elongated man, by the way, it's not his first time on television. It is his first time and only time in live action. Uh, he was voiced by Jeremy Piven. Mm-hmm. in the justice league unlimited squeaky wheel my friend squeaky wheel <laughs> squeaky wheel my friend <laughs> yeah um i'm not saying he's a uh uh candidate to replace uh hartley sawyer <laughs> but how great would it be if jeremy piven uh, that would be amazing be a, be a elongated man um also uh an episode of mad tv uh, the Elongated Man appears, voiced by the great, the greatest podcaster in the world, in my opinion, uh, Ralph Garman. Oh, snap. Uh, he joins the other superheroes in a musical number that asks Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman about being called super friends. In his part, Elongated Man says that he was strapped for cash, and asking Superman for money seems to be kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, in Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox, which we're going to talk about in just a second because it's referenced in Apocalypse War. Right. Uh, elongated Man is mentioned to have been murdered. Yes. And he was known as the Elongated Kid. Yes. Uh, he is uh, Extruded Man was a crime syndicate of America in the animated film Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, one of Owlman's henchmen. Mm-hmm. Elongated Man is mentioned in Batman and Harley Quinn. That's a great. That's Lauren Lester as Nightwing, right. and when they're calling the Justice League, and they and they're offering, <laughs> "Who can help you?" Come and on, let me let me help. Let me elongated help. Man and Batman's like no. <laughs> and Elongated Man makes a okay. brief appearance in Teen Titans Go to the Movie, and I, I'm not trying to make light of it. Elongated Man is such a token character. I don't like what they did with Sue, uh, who is based on Sue Dibney, who you love and who right. uh, is killed in Identity Crisis, which is one of the greatest comic books ever made. Um, and the only time Elongated Man was ever relevant in my life. Um, but he's, she's Sue Dearborn now. She's not Sue Dibney, obviously. And right. she's like a villain. She's like a yeah. bad girl. Yeah. Like she, she's like a criminal. And she's a thief. So it, weird. He's inspired to reform her, and no one cared. And in all the sea, it was his own saga in season six that no one cared about. And in the beginning, he was um, he was relevant in that uh, he had to learn how to be part of Team Flash, and I was kind of interested. Uh, he was a private Great. investigator, uh, and he helped Barry a little bit. And he was very tight with uh, Caitlin Snow, 
uh, who but he was, was so slimy, him. man. Come he's on, just, he was so he, he's he just was a weasel. so slimy. Yeah, he was a weasel, and his character. But in season six, specifically, when he was on an adventure, no one cared. That's yeah. literally bathroom time. Like that's that's yeah. you know we talk about shows that you can do work to. That's that's this. That that's him. That's him right there. So this was disturbing, but strange, and I I don't know what to make of it. I don't think you recast. But then again, no. neither does Batwoman. Well, hard to say because they're they're looking at it. They're looking at it. Latest report: Vanessa Morgan from Riverdale. Which was she pull? Was she pull double duties? Would she still be on Riverdale? Oh no, I I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to cross over Flash and Riverdale? Is that what I this will, is? is? The great. I will RGDC think about crossover? that for ages. Please let me know. <laughs> I'm sitting on pins and needles. I must know. The other story that was wackadoodle, and this one makes <laughs> absolutely no sense. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, we told you that Batwoman, uh, Ruby Rose, has left the show in mutual parting of the ways, right? Like that, that right. she wasn't fired, she didn't quit. It was mutual. And she wrote something really cryptic on Instagram, like, those of you who know, you know and i was like okay but those of us who don't know we don't know are really <laughs> lost now like what are you even saying we don't know and you know she had right. all kinds of physical ailments and it was demand and i i don't i don't want to speculate because i've heard a lot of speculation oh the, the hours too much hours i don't think it's that if you love a project you don't mind the hours i'll work 12 hour days doing right. things that i love doing i mean come on so who knows but uh, then the story came out that they are not going to re originally they were going to recast Kate Kane and now they're not there. That is Kate. The weird Kane, thing. Kate Kane is just going to disappear, which I don't understand. It's going to be like, I, I, I don't know. It's like when Bo and Luke Duke left uh, the Dukes of Hazzard um, and <laughs> Coy and Vance came in like they're bringing in some other character who's going to wear the costume. And why? And where the hell is Bruce Wayne during this whole thing? I, I, I don't right? understand any of this. And I said this then. I'll say this again. When, when Ruby Rose left Batwoman, end Batwoman. It's over. Do a comic book. Tie up your storylines, which is what I said the seasons should all have been. Either a comic book or an, a Flash animation. End it that way. Kate Kane is Batwoman. Don't start changing everything just because you hit it big with Felicity Smoke does not mean you're creating the characters all left and right who are on a tentpole franchise on a show that did not have the greatest support to begin with. That's true. That's true. And I, I think the thing that's super weird for me is if it's how do I put this? Okay. Batman Beyond had Bruce Wayne replaced in the suit. However, Bruce Wayne was still a part actively of the story. Batman is a far more popular, recognized character than Batwoman. Like, of course. Oh, of course. And Batgirl is more recognizable than Batwoman also. Right. So in, in, to replace the person in a cow of someone who has not yet hit the same uh, visibility stature seems so weird and counterproductive to even doing that show to begin with. Like it, it's it's odd to me. I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand why they wouldn't 
absolutely recast for Batwoman uh, with the same Kate role because I think that's important. Like the character has not uh, has not hit that critical level yet that people will just go, oh no no no, I know the difference between which Batwoman is in the books and which one is on the show. That would be confusing. Yeah, she's too new. It doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. I, it, it, there's no. There's no selling this. It does not make sense. And, right. Uh, I'm sorry. And the other reason I'm saying this, because I'm not asking people to get fired and stuff. What I'm saying is you have a show in the pipeline that you don't have a slot for the spinoff of Arrow. Okay, uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries is what people think it's going to be called, but who knows? You have Katie Cassidy under contract. I guarantee you Catherine McNamara wants to continue to be Mia. Um, and you have something there and you have something there. It it doesn't, and it's not because she was on the podcast. That's not the point. Um, I don't understand if you're going to have to be that convoluted, then don't do it. And you, you have plenty of other stuff, uh, that you can do. All right. There was a licensing, uh, list that says that Marvel is going to reacquire the rights, film and television rights, to daredevil uh and they can do with it as they see fit now there's a couple of things that we don't know which is can the existing daredevil series move over to disney plus i don't think so but that doesn't mean that the character daredevil can't be in something else now the questions that get asked is do you continue the series do you use those characters and that that continuity or do you treat it like the X-Men and you bring in, you know, you, you kind of give it a reboot? Wh- where do you stand on that? I stand in the middle. I think use those characters and do a soft reboot where bring them you, into existing things. Yes. Um, definitely. Charlie Cox returning as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil. Um, you know, keep foggy, keep Karen page. Those are, they, they were fantastic. Right. Um, integrate them by way of my my wish list is after spider-man far from home peter has been accused of murder he needs to be represented in court i would love for matt murdoch matt Matt murdoch is the nelson and murdoch and those are their those guys and if they have to stop cursing to do it that's fine cool 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 like do that in fact make a joke of it because peter's a kid and this is why they're doing this <laughs> and watch your language <laughs> right you know what i'm saying and and what's really interesting is it would give marvel studios a player that has street level uh excitement uh, um, yeah but kind of in the in the same vein of what spider-man is because they currently don't have creative control over use of spider-man so like in the early 2000s, uh, specifically through the Marvel Knight series, uh, Daredevil was put on a platform courtesy of Kevin Smith as the writer, yes. Joe oh, Quesada, yeah. and Jimmy yeah. Palmiotti. They they actually made Daredevil more uh, popular than Spider-Man. Like for at least two years, Daredevil was outselling Spider-Man. So in terms of the big push, the, the big resurgence that saved Marvel, it was kind of carried on the back of Daredevil. So... If they don't have access to Spidey right now, and that's not, you know, in the cards, put the focus on Matt. You know, do that. There's nothing wrong with it. He's a similar style character. He's got the acrobatics. He's got a cool power. And and it speaks to an audience of, of 
um, people that have any sort of, of considered disability, that's a huge highlight that nothing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far has showcased. So, you, yeah, you would get a lot of ground meeting in the middle with that. And if it's Charlie Cox, I mean, oh, my God, that would be great. And and hopefully I mean, he's perfect. And the, the, the other rumor is, is that it includes uh, the Defenders. So if you wanted to do a Defenders movie, you could bring Kristen Ritter back. You could uh, bring back um, Finn Jones, Mike Iron Fist, yeah. Mike Coulter, um, all those guys. You could bring them back, and that would be cool too, um, because you establish them. And I don't need another. You know, a lot of people are on the fence about the X Men. Like, how do you bring back the X Men? You have this young cast. Let them be the X Men, and the question would be. You know, I told you how I want to integrate the X-Men. I want uh, Black Panther. I want T'Challa uh, to fall in love with Aurora Monroe, Storm, and right. let that happen. And if you, if that happens, you know, now all of a sudden you're introduced to Storm's world, and maybe she has a friend of hers with her named Rogue who can fly, <laughs> you know, not Anna Paquin, you know, the more, right. more Lenore Zan, <laughs> so, you know, something like that. So I I don't know. Um, I, I think that that's interesting. On the heels of this now, uh, Chris Gorham. Now, here's the thing about Chris Gorham. Uh, accomplished actor. People know him from the show Popular, uh, but he's been in a ton of things. I happened to ask him about Party of Five because he was one wow. of the boyfriends. Wow. What a <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> I could not do it. It was like I had to go there. Uh, but here's the trick. Uh, when we recorded the interview with Chris Gorham, uh, I had not seen Apocalypse War. Um, there was just no way to, to, to see it. It wasn't available, and they I couldn't even get a, like a media screener. I couldn't do the interview in time. Uh, so I knew Flash was a part of it, but I, if, if you've seen the film, and I hope you have, because if you've gone this far, we have our review coming up in a second. Um, but I... I knew Flash was a big part of it, so that's where I steer the questions. But I didn't know how big and how much and how great Chris Gorham was in this film. So here's my interview with Chris Gorham. First of all, welcome to the show. And, you know, you're in the Hall of Justice and you're a member of the Justice League. So this is like your place, not mine. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Um, you played the Flash now for this run, but you weren't yeah. the Flash in Flashpoint. And without Correct. spoiling the whole thing, there's a tie-in to Flashpoint. How great is it to have the Flash be a central character in one of these films as opposed to a side character? You know, in, in, in Throne of Atlantis, Aquaman's the center of attention, not the Flash. But this one, yeah. the Flash plays a key role, and there's no secret he about does. it. He does. He does. He plays a really. It's a really unexpected key role, and there's there's um, uh, there was some re- a really nice couple of of scenes uh, that gave me a chance to to do something a little different than what's been asked of me in most of these movies. Um, so it was nice. Do you get the sense that uh, did, did you have any hint that it was eventually going to this? Like, I would imagine they had this plan all along, but they didn't tell you that or did they tell you that and you have been a very very good secret keeper listen i'm a great secret keeper um <laughs> uh and uh i don't think that they knew all along that this is where things were going 
Um, and they certainly would not have told me if they had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it seems like they have upped the ante, though, in all of these movies. And James Tucker came on this podcast when he talked about this continuity. And considering this is not an animated series, but rather a collection of animated films, they really go deep. This is, you know who these people are when you encounter them. And when they have loss or great success, there is something about it that you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've done, I mean, you know, I, I had no idea um, what I was getting into when they asked me to do uh, like war. the first one yeah. um, so many years ago. You know, I just thought, oh, great, yeah, it'll be fun. I can. I, I loved the Justice League as a kid, and I loved The Flash, so, yeah, I'm happy to come play. And, um, and then when I saw that first movie, War, uh, I was blown away. It was really good. Um, and so from then on out, I, I was just uh, honored to be asked back each time just to be a part of these movies because they're um, they're solid stories. And they stick to continuity. Like they, they wanted yeah. it to be, you know, Jason O'Mara and, 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 you know, all, all of them, um, you know, and one of the things that that's pretty neat about the way this has evolved is there are some memorable scenes throughout them. You know, I think about Iris's wedding, you know, when you're sitting yeah. at the table talking about that. And then I think about when you're playing the, uh, the, 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 the bodyguards and you guys are going, are we the bodyguards? And like, there's, there's little <laughs> lines and that had yeah. to be like, you're watching this and you're like, come on, that's me. Like I'm that guy in that red suit. Yeah. It's fun. It's really fun. Like, like a favorite moment of mine was when, uh, when I got to make fun of Jason being Batman. Uh, yeah. I, remember, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> that I enjoyed. Um, and then, you know, for a few moments in this film, um, the Flash and I are actually physically very similar. Um, <laughs> it's bad news for him, unfortunately, but for me, I was like, all right, yeah, now we look alike. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, and again, I don't want to spoil anything, you know, about it. We will do our spoiler review, you know, but we give the warnings and the, the, there's yep. not enough people have seen this yet uh, for us for for us to do it that way. Um, what about the, the Justice League? What was it when you were a kid? Were you a, a super friends guy? Are you, you're kind of young for that. Are you a super friends? Is, are you Batman, the animated series? Like what got you into this? No, it was super friends. And it's, it's been a, it's been a consistent joke of mine um, with these guys. Every time I come in to record is where are the wonder twins? Um, <laughs> why are you discriminating against the wonder twins? Um, uh, so it's that and why aren't I on the poster this time? Those are my jokes um, when it comes to making this. But, but so I was, I was excited because there is a version of the poster for this movie that, that the flash does appear on. And so I felt, oh, uh, and that hasn't been revealed yet. Yeah. That hasn't been seen yet. Yeah, no, it's seen it's online. It's, it's one of the ads that uh, Warner brothers has been running. It's a, uh, it's, like, it's, it's most of the Justice League is on there, and then Darkseid's eyes, like use his laser mm. eyes, like burn it down. So it's I'm not there very um, for uh, uh, for very long, but but for a moment, and that's enough for me. That's enough. <laughs> you can. That's enough. You I can, can walk away from this series now, 
I'm feeling like I've done everything that could be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's it's just so funny that you mentioned that because people ask me when I created this podcast, I wanted to make sure it was for grownups. You know, yeah. I it, it, because just because it's about a genre that involves superheroes and science fiction, that doesn't mean that we're children and we're not doing a who's stronger, Spider-Man or the Hulk. Like we, we don't do that's that right. kind of show. And <laughs> that's why. And somebody said you have to have a name that reflects that. And that's where I came up with the Hall of Justice. And I thought the idea would be if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our mm -hmm. demographic. And it's so that's crystal right. clear. That's right. And it's it's funny because a lot of us see that stuff. Do you ever go back and watch that now? Because the music gives me chills, but the plots like make me shake my head and go, "Really? That's that's what we? How spoiled are the kids that grew up in the '90s and got Batman the animated oh, series? Man. We had the Super right? Friends, yeah, yep, yep, and we loved it. We, we loved, loved it. it. We had Super Friends. We had the Hulk TV show. We had the yep. A Team, Wonder Woman. We, we, yep ate it all up and it was all really really bad <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. um matt ryan is spectacular in this film uh, we've had great we've had matt on the on the podcast and he's really funny i actually hung out in an airport our flights were delayed and we hung out in an airport once for a good couple of hours and i, I talked to him oh, wow. a lot but isn't it neat the way he is the live action constantine and he comes into these films and kind of ties them together. And I'm not saying that you're the same character as Grant Gustin. It's not apples to apples, but just the idea that he is synonymous with this one character is pretty yeah. fascinating. I think it's great. Um, I, it's, it's, uh, I think it's great. It's, uh, it's great that he was uh, willing to, to do that, to come in and, and play with us and, um, in these movies. Um, and he does a, he does a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the performances in this movie, I think are all, really great. I was telling um, Jerry and Jason, you know, it's, it's cause I know both of them. We've done press for these movies for years now, for eight sure. years. Um, and, uh, and every time that the movie comes out, I can, I forget that it's them. They do such a good job. And I thought, um, you know, Jerry and Rebecca playing with each other, like they're, um, you know, Rebecca does a fantastic job as she's Lois. Lois yeah. Lane and, yeah. Know, they were on the said, podcast you know, during reign of the yeah. Superman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know really all the performances are are solid and 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 you know that's that's helped because the script is really good and the character moments are all earned. Um, you know, there's a really nice scene um, uh, in this movie that I won't spoil um, between Constantine and the Flash. That um, it's just a really solid um, scene and it really lands. And you know, mm. it's always. Uh, 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 not surprising because you know I know how it works, but it's always satisfying how um, these scenes come together because we don't record together; we're all right. we're doing our own thing. Um, so when you see the voices put together and, and the scene works, and you feel an emotional connection, um, it's very uh, gratifying. And the only other thing, again, I, I'm trying so hard not to give plot away, and I'm trying to make <laughs> these questions as as enlightening as I can without saying, "What about that time when is mm -hmm. Damian Wayne?" Because if you see him in Son of Batman, which is in the same continuity, he's a yeah. kid. And now yeah. he ha his voice completely changed. I, I mean, he, yeah. sounds, he sounds virtually different. And you can tell it's the same guy, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, um, it's great. It's, the performances are all really solid. Yeah, there's no, no question about it. 
What about uh, animation that you you have now experienced? You know, a lot of live action stuff. I mean, we've you, you've been popular, and and I have to ask you about Party of Five, but that's my personal thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the idea that that now you are an accomplished voice actor as well. What's the same about the skill set, and what's different? Well, the process is totally different. I mean, it couldn't be more different. It's just complete. It's almost a different. It's just a totally different thing. Um, the 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 voice stuff happens so fast, um, and uh, the director, uh, the voice director, is so important um, because you're there by yourself. You don't have anyone else to act with. You don't have rehearsals to try things out. You're just going and you're going kind of line by line and you're doing, you know, you're giving them three or four versions of each line. And, uh, and then you just like trust that it's all going to stitch together and that they have, they know in their head, um, what it's supposed to be. Um, whereas, you know, on anything that's on camera, you know, you, you get, even if it's just a little rehearsal, you rehearse the scene with the other actors and you run it together and you kind of feel it out and, um, and so you know in the moment, or at least you have a decent idea in the moment about how the scene's going and what it's going to look like on screen. With the animation stuff, you have no idea. So you, you know, you go in, you give it your best shot, and then you walk away. And you know, eight months later, twelve months later, you see how you did. Yeah, it's it's, it's wild how what that experience must have been like. In Justice League War, just for the listeners, I know, I know, Chris, you know this. The Justice League War came out in 2014. Flash. Flashpoint, which set this universe up, came out the year prior. I mean, we're talking about eight years now. Like, like this, yeah. this continuity has been told, and there aren't any episodic television series that have maybe eleven films. I'd have to count, but maybe eleven films over eight years that tell one complete story. It's it's yeah, an accomplishment. No, it's all right, and you can't do that. Marvel would be the only thing you could think of. Yeah, it's the MCU is the closest thing that that comes to it. You know that. Um, it's all of those Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, that's the only only way, thing we can go. Um, all right, I, 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 they'd kill me if I didn't do this. Um, the, one of the greatest shows ever created. You were a guest star on Party of Five. Tell our audience who Elliot was, <laughs> and ju- I know you've done in so many other things. And I know this is so not on your radar, but oh my god, that was literally one of the greatest shows ever created. Yeah, that was a great show. Um, uh. Elliot, so I came on to do, I don't know, four or five episodes um, playing Jennifer Love Hewitt's boyfriend, Elliot, Um, and then uh, whom it is revealed in a really touching scene uh, is gay and has a crush on Bailey, right? Is that Scott Wolf's character's name? Am I remembering that correctly? That's exactly um, right. And so they have this really sweet scene. And really, I mean, it was, this was before you had characters coming out on oh, TV, yeah. or at least not many. It was really um, early in that renaissance. I mean, late in our historical record, but um, there were not a lot of gay characters on TV. Um, so it was a big deal. Um, and, uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was good stuff. So yeah, that, that was, that was, I think, before it was right before popular i think i did party of five and then i did an episode of buffy the vampire slayer and then yep and then uh, popular came the like two years later my yeah. first series yeah yep. now like nine and, shows later 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and but but it, and it's funny because you know in my in my vernacular, I was in my twenties. I was traveling all over the country, and when I heard the premise, I just said, "That's something I'm interested in." Like I wasn't a nine hundred two one zero or a Melrose, but that wasn't my thing. Yeah. But and I'm not a gossipy soap opera type of person, but that hit with me and the alcoholism was interesting. Just the whole thing was fascinating. And I just, when I saw it and I did, you know, I did my, obviously my research and I knew you from popular and I knew you from other things that you had been in, but I said, wait a second, he was in party five. And I said, how do I do 20 minutes with him and not ask him about party five? Amazing. Our final minute. uh, When you look at, you know, this project and apocalypse war, would you say that, it's a prerequisite to have seen all the films or could you see this as a standalone and just pick it up really fast? Yeah. You you don't have, it stands by itself. It's a richer experience if you've seen the other movies, because you know, all the little things that happen, they all make sense. But if you don't, if you haven't seen them, then, uh, then, you know, you miss some of the little details, but the story still works and still packs an emotional punch. I think. No question. Well, thank you so much for doing this again. Have a New York premiere one day. This film is getting undersold, but but in its defense, everyone's stuck at home, so this is a great yeah. digital download. Just just watch this film. You, you you'll be engrossed. And like I said, in a couple of weeks, we are going to review this. You know, spoiler filled and all and all the the the, the rigmarole. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Good. We we really appreciate your time and thanks again. Stay safe, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. You too. Before we get back to the show, I just want to tell you about a very cool announcement that was recently made about the Hall of Justice. We are so excited that this show is now available to stream free on Spotify. Spotify, folks, that is the what the young kids are using. Spotify is something my kids use. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's it's a downloadable app. You can use Spotify on any device, iPhone, Samsung, Android, whatever you want to do. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to music. You can listen to Prince. You can listen to superhero songs, you know, the kind of stuff I listen to. And then switch right over to this podcast in the very same app. Just search for The Hall of Justice on Spotify and start listening free. It's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. We're excited that there are new listeners that are going to find this show, and I'm so grateful for everybody that subscribes, listens, rates, and reviews. The Hall of Justice is now on Spotify. Now back to the show. Justice and peace for all mankind. Once again, our thanks to the great Chris Gorham uh, for coming on the show. And this is, it's all about Apocalypse War. And what I didn't know then was that this is the end of the universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, This, uh, I mean, I like calling it the Tuckerverse. I just think that's great. It's the best name for it, man. It's awesome. In the commentary, he said he didn't want it. it, And I said, screw that. No, man. Come on. Come on. What the Tuckerverse is, is... So there's a debate on when it starts, but Justice League uh, Flashpoint Paradox is the film in which the Flash, uh, who's played by uh, the guy from Grey's Anatomy, that uh, Justin Chambers, who's a fine Mm -hmm. fellow, uh, he plays uh, Barry Allen and it's Flashpoint. It's 
Barry wants to go uh, back and back in time. He can he can run so fast that he can, you know, go back in time, and he wants to save his mom. And he does so, but he creates this alternative universe where uh, Bruce Wayne uh, doesn't survive the, the the you know the shooting, but his dad does. Thomas Wayne becomes this nasty Batman. Um, there's a war going on between Atlantis and the Amazons. And it's a crazy film. I mean, would you say it's a, it was a better book, but would you say it's a great film? I, I thought it was a great film. Actually, for me, I saw the the film first and it made me want to read the book because I, I yeah. had kind of tapped out. So I think it's a phenomenal film because it made great. me want to go back and, and find the yeah. book. No, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, and that was Jay Oliva who directed that. Yes. And then shortly after that, um, they released Justice League War, mm-hmm. which was based on the, at the time, this is 2013, the new 52, mm-hmm. which was this new, new universe uh, that they had started. It was a complete reboot in the comics. And basically, all you need to know is Batman had a chin strap and Superman lost his red underwear. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that is that is that? Are you saying that's bad? No, I mean it's it's funny to break it down in such a distinction, but you're not wrong. You're not. No, wrong. no, but but I'm saying that people who who didn't know, you know what what what? How do you know the difference? Like how do you know these right. these films? And then we didn't know then, but in 2014, Justice League War starts a string of 14 straight movies. Right. Uh, all in the same continuity. They're all episodes of this continuity. And eventually they settle on voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they knew that. And James Tucker explains, they didn't know this was going to be a series at first. He just knew that he was being told to do this new 52 continuity. The neatest part about the conversation with James Tucker and what makes this movie so amazing, and this is where I wanted to start it, is, is James Tucker didn't love this universe. Right. If you remember, Justice League War comes out in 2014. We started the Hall of Justice in 2015. They had already released four movies. Right. War, Son of Batman, which introduces Mm -hmm. Damian Wayne, who's a major factor in in this. Huge factor. And then Throne of Atlantis. Right. But the weirdest part about that, if you go all the way back, is we had Heath Corson on. And Heath Corson was episode 13. This is episode 180. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And Heath Corson wrote Justice League War. Right. And, and Throne of Atlantis. And Throne of Atlantis. Yeah. And he says that Warner Brothers told him to make Superman a dick. Yes. And, and it's been the basis of every review we've done on this this thing is those facts. And to hear James Tucker say he wasn't in love with that that continuity made my heart happy. I mean, because it, it it speaks to the truth of what they did. Not everybody's going to love that because it's not their Superman. It's not their takes on many of these characters. And I think that's important. It shows that James was a fan. Right. And, and I thought he was very honest as he always is uh, to a fault. And he comes yeah. out and he says, and he says flat out, I, I, you know, but we went with it and we rolled with it. And we tried to tell really compelling stories. Well, right. That was the first time in animation you saw Damian Wayne. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't hesitate. Like he went, 
right he followed that with batman versus robin right and then damien joins the teen titans teen titans yep and, and and he introduces all this stuff and they wind up doing some classic comic books in the new 52 continuity the tucker verse mm-hmm. which are the judas contract right then the death of superman reign of the superman and hush mm-hmm. and those are all these classic comic book uh you know iconic books that are now thrust into this new tucker verse right and so like it or hate it like this was where it went and one of the movies right in the middle was a film called justice league dark where batman enlists some uh magical heroes etrican and constantine and zatanna Mm -hmm. uh to fight a villain so it's not it's a justice league movie but it's not a justice league movie it's barely any Superman or Wonder Woman or Green Lantern in that. And this is technically a sequel to that, which that's a question I had for you. What about the title? Shouldn't this be Justice League Apocalypse War? No, no. And the reason why is because, so for those of you that aren't, you know, heavy into comics, Justice League Dark was a team that was put together during the New 52 that really focused on the, the magic heavy, uh, heroes of the DCU. So you had characters like Zatanna, you had John Constantine um, that were that were part of this 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 group that handled the major magic threats, the stuff that really Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, those guys really don't get involved with. And that's what Justice League Dark was. Um, that's that's what the title was meant to be. And in fact, that was partly why for a while uh, Guillermo del Toro was attached to it because he likes the dark, you know, nature of things the horror basis for that stuff so that's i think that's what makes this so cool is that it really is john constantine's movie so the dark aspect of it is really what that points to it's it's everyone else is is uh is a, a supporting character to him well and to that end um we've seen in the comic books they've rebooted again Mm-hmm. So the new 52 universe is kind of over. And yes. in the films, we've talked about this earlier, they kind of have abandoned these, the Snyder verse, you know, like right. they, 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 they may be bringing it back, but in reality, the Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Batman, that's all over too. So this new 52 continuity is, is over. And what would they do? Would they keep it going? And I thought that was strange because I told you and I told James Tucker, the death of Superman, I wanted in the in the actual comic book style. Mm-hmm. I wanted those heroes in there, and I wanted that funeral, and you know, not not that, not this Superman because I don't like this Superman. You know, <laughs> I, I I've never liked him, right? Um, so I didn't feel a great sense of loss when he died. And as far as Batman Hush, it was just showcasing every story. I thought it was just showcasing every villain in Batman in this universe. You know what I mean? Like they were just, yeah. it, was, it was like, how can we showcase everything? But they kind of had taken it where they were going to go. And then they, they throw this sucker at you. And my God, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my absolutely. God. It is. And it's, 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 it's brutal, mostly because we had no idea where it was going. And I think that's also part of the benefit of it being uh, Justice League Dark is Justice League Dark is specifically the John Constantine features all have a higher uh, or heavier rating system than your typical 
Justice League DC animated movie. So like Constantine City of Demons is rated R. And that still has the same context. It's also within this uh, continuity. Um, you know, it, it's it's Matt Ryan playing, you know, John. It's it's all within that. And the the more surly, dark nature of it is is kind of a key. Like there's a lot of people that thought um, that there was some gratuitous violence to it, but it's dark. Like that's the point. Like that is literally supposed to be the scale of when you deal oh, with someone dark. like Darkseid. So it's dark. It's dark. Oh, yeah. and, and and that's something else James Sucker said that dark side is this theme throughout the whole thing. Yes. And even in Reign of the Superman, you know, Dark Side created Doomsday. Right. And okay. Uh and and the point to this film is, that I loved was it gets right into it. There is mm-hmm. no establishing anything. Mm-mm. And then they skip. And yes. then they tell the film of the battle because you think they're headed to this massive battle. Right. And you don't know that they win or lose, but you quickly find out that there's a two year gap. Right. And that, again, is before Avengers Endgame. It, possibly even written before uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Infinity so, War yes. It, it yeah. Was. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, and that's that's the funny, you know, critique i don't even want to call it a criticism the funny critique that people are saying is that this is the in-game version for the dc animated universe but because it's animated which which can definitely take a lot longer than a live action film um they had to have started it well before any of this stuff actually happened well before yeah um so they they and then they tell it and you see what happens to all of them, but you don't know any how they got there. And the way the slow reveals, and first you see Superman, but you don't yeah. see what happens to him. Oh, my God. And I, I, I've i said all those things about that Superman. I felt for this guy. Like, right. Wow. Definitely felt for this guy. Oh, my this God. Guy, because this guy was Superman. For whatever reason, this dude was Superman. I believed him. I, the earnestness of it, um, that scene where Lois is fighting and he's like, do your best, honey. Like that was so classic yeah. Superman. And, oh and and considering all the things that they've gone through, um, I think the humility that he now walks around with literally on his chest gave us the actual Superman that we wanted. And and I thought that was an amazing content. Uh, and then, the, you know, later on, what they do is they they flash back. Yeah. to the battle yeah you see what happens to these heroes yeah and but you'd see it in a way that it's i don't think it was gratuitous i thought it was shocking right uh constantine running away from zatanna oh my god brutal wow brutal um wow um uh, the the uh the torture of batman remember he has no powers none but I think the it, he had the worst things done to him, despite the fact that he has no powers. But it's because, and they they kind of allude to it um, very early on. It's because he was the most dangerous one. Cyborg, though, I mean, he gets oh. heart. They torture uh, uh, Flash, right? And the way you find that out, you don't even know that until the end. So uh, and Wonder Woman, I mean, Wonder so Woman, is, so and and Mira, and Hawkman. Yep. 
Martian Manhunter guys. Come on. Like God. There's there's there were so many things about this that were pleasantly and surprisingly cool. Like that's I think that's the thing. Like this one it was um it was cool. It's nauseating, it's sickening, it's incredible, it's all of it. And you're like, what in the what? Wow. Did you did you know that uh the tattoo idea was Margaret Scott's the the co-writer? It was something that she had jotted down like in high school of wouldn't it be cool if and she had an opportunity to put that in there and oh, wow. that's where it came from. So it's like a 20 year 20 year old idea. That's very wow. Yeah. I mean it it's uh it's pretty in, intense and the way it's revealed cuz it's constantly gone back to. Mm-hmm. And uh, Damien, who hates Superman for bringing them there, mm-hmm. and his and, and that kid who, by the way, his voice completely changed. I love that it's the same kid yep. that was Stuart in Son Allen. of Batman, yep. but he sounds totally different. And man, was he angry! Oh, and I loved it. Oh, it was perfect. I loved it. it was it was absolutely perfect. See, and I think that's one of the the really cool things about what this movie does is. While it is a John Constantine story, it weaves together many storylines really, really well. Um, you've got a love story between, you know, Damien and Raven, and you've got and it pays all off. these different things that yeah, it totally pays off and it and it flows well. And like at no point are they fighting each other for dominance or or any part of it. It knows wow. how to how to breathe and let other things happen. Oh wow. I mean, just incredible. Just yeah. just incredible. And then you see him, you know, wearing the, the 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 that robe, and you and then he he agrees to help them. So he goes and and puts his Robin costume back on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god! And the stuff with Raven was wild and interesting. And you know that that's not my favorite stuff, but but you know again, that's not a criticism. It's right, right. You know, it's all exposition and, and part of the plot. And but when you find out that Constantine ran, that oh. was wild you know what makes it so good is in everything that we've seen in of constantine it doesn't feel in this presentation as though that's something that he wouldn't do and that's what makes it so cold and dark like when you, you look at john and you go well you're you're a terrible person but it's not like well he would never do that that's terrible and then when you find out why it happened it it becomes that much more of a of a cathartic like oh he's not the most terrible person that i thought he was he's not this thing and and that as a story arc was so freaking like brilliant beautiful right um you know forget it we we can spoil it right we're going to no, we it. we have we have we okay okay we, we, so we've been spoiling so the fact oh, that it was told spell- the whole story <laughs> yeah yeah the fact that it's a spell from zatanna that that's literally the first things that we that we get when the when the movie opens is her performing this spell that he's going to uh run away and not know why like he's just to get out get out be the second you know calvary whatever um that's such a a beautiful thing to see him redeemed you know as he's been going through this whole movie questioning like why in the world did i run why why did i do that absolutely brilliant i i mean just brilliant it's just absolutely brilliant and then you know luther's groveling but mm. but but you know <laughs> batman has to talk and he, like jason o'mara who again 
it, it, it was never about Jason O'Mara. He did a fine job in all the, the movies as Batman. Right. But again, this is not it, like if, if I don't love this Superman, what am I loving about this Batman? You know what I mean? Right. Like right. what was about? And I never really cared about Damien. And the interesting part about Jason O'Mara is, you know, that he hasn't given up and that he's not completely brainwashed. Right. And he's double crossing everyone. And when he has to dictate that to Luther, but not reveal that he's still on his side. And oh my God. I was like, that. so wait, wait, you, you thought that he was still pro pro humanity at that point. I think there was a part of him that was still, uh, he was very much still Batman okay. in the sense that, he didn't lose his sensibilities when he talks about the invasion or the potential invasion. Mm-hmm. He, he takes special note of it. Um, he's not a slave. Like he's not as brainwashed as wonder woman was in my Interesting. opinion. Okay. Cause I definitely thought opinion. that he was, he was, he was all in. I, I thought that his character um, and this was more of a statement about how dark side saw him it was imperative that he absolutely brainwashed Batman in a way that he didn't brainwash anybody else because Batman was so dangerous. Like, like as he says in the beginning where um, they're talking about their power output and how it's not turning out like he thought because Batman's plan had affected apocalypse. So, you know, intrinsically that two years later, they still haven't recovered. That's how dangerous Batman is. So he has to keep Batman alive. I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's just wild i, I mean it's so good so so good. character depth on another level like right it was incredible this is a movie that you have to watch i've seen it now four times i couldn't get over it i I'm saw not gonna it tell anybody how many times i watched this movie oh, so you've far. Seen it? no come on tell <laughs> I've me seen it so many times dude I, I watched it again last night oh god not even a joke i've seen it at least 10 times i watched i bought the blu-ray um, right I bought the Blu-ray and I watched the commentary over the weekend. Oh, nice. And I told James Tucker, the commentary is good. It's not as good as his appearance on the podcast because we asked him much better things than the writers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the commentary track's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, awesome. It was, it was, it was something else. Um, it's, it's, it's a hell of a movie. And the line of the whole thing is the end yes the line yes. of the whole thing when matt ryan when you know superman gives this corny line about how we've been worse before or whatever like lois is dead iris is dead uh nightwing is essentially dead like it, all of this happens right right and matt ryan just quietly just goes to the flash he goes you know what you have to do you know what you know what it is, man. You know what you have to do. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix it. You gotta fix There's it. Only one way to fix this. And he says, "Yeah, it might be worse, but it can't be as bad as this." It ain't this. Yeah, yeah, it, it ain't this. It ain't and this. He was saying, "Wipe out reality." And yeah. from a bigger picture, you're like, "Wait a minute, you're wiping out that new Fifty Two universe and the Superman with no red underwear? Like, really? You're mm-hmm. doing that?" And then you're like, your brain goes swimming because you're like, what's next? What are they going to do next? What's what does next? this mean? Exactly. Where's this going? 
Exactly. Is this going to be rebirth? Are you going to do something in continuity? Are you going to do just a series of one-offs? Like my brain was circulating all over, and I was like, "What in the what?" In that regard, it is a better in cap than in game was, because in in game, we never got that moment of well, we have no idea what's next, you know, and they didn't they didn't play into it. They didn't you know lean on it and say, "Hey, this was just really the beginning. Y'all don't even know what's coming." It it was the end of a twenty movie series, and we felt 15, that yeah, this 15. one is the end of a right like fifteen movie series, but it's literally a new beginning, and we have no idea where it's going. Right, whereas and that's brilliant. Right. You're, you're, it's a great point, and it's very different than what Marvel did. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You you are right. And Endgame, you want to see the final, and you know Spider Man Far From Home was the movie after Endgame. And it mm-hmm. came out really fast, right? It came out really soon. They don't, they're not going to address this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because they do one-offs, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to do a continuity thing. Like, you don't know. And then James Tucker drops this line that it's not going to be him. Right. And he said, so we don't, we, who knows? He said to me, and he said this is okay to say on the show, he wants to get more into a series. Because remember, okay. before this, you know, he cut his chops on uh, Batman Beyond, but he right. is the architect behind Batman the Brave and the Bold. Right, um, right. We don't know that it's going to be a Warner Brothers thing. You know, we don't we don't know. Wow. You know, <laughs> I did tell him about my Star Wars idea. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> but I want Dave Filoni to do that. That's my awesome. Star Wars idea, for those of you who haven't heard those podcasts, I said, and I said it to Kevin Smith, and I said it to uh, JC the, the week after, is... There's a scene in uh, Rise of Skywalker where young Luke is training young Leia after Return of the Jedi. And I want a miniseries of that. Right. Do it from all the animators that do the Clone Wars. <clears throat> but have Mark Hamill voice Luke. Yep. And have Billy Lord voice Leia, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Genius. And do it. Just do it right now. And, and, and make it like six if you want to do six. Do 12, do 52. I don't care. Just do it. And I would think James Tucker would be amazing at that. Oh, my God. Like, he's an amazing he storyteller. Better. Like, yeah. again. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that validated this whole thing, and I, I know I'm saying this over and over again, but he didn't love this universe. Right. And it's okay. You are not a bad fan to not love this universe. Well, I so, think that's that's part of the joy of, or the beauty of what this movie does. I didn't like this whole universe collectively, but I thought this was such a perfect in cap that it made me like more things that came out before. Yes. That's brilliant. Yes, you are correct. And it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Um, There were some movies in this that were better than others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Judas contract is great. Mm Mm-hmm. Hush is very good. Mm-hmm. Feel free to. <laughs> Are you want me to throw other ones in there? I mean, because I really didn't like this series. I really didn't. I didn't. Um, I, mean, we're I, talking... didn't like, I didn't love Throne of Atlantis. I didn't love, I mean, Son of Batman, Batman versus Robin. That's Damien. I thought one the Batman ones were really good. I really did. Um, Batman Bad Blood were... is not horrible. No, it's not. Um, how about that? The fact that we never got the follow-up Batgirl feature, the Batgirl of Burnside feature. Um, because she shows up at the end of Bad Blood, and we never get to see her in in an actual movie until this. And 
needless to say, she doesn't have she a dies. good appearance. <laughs> Ten seconds. Yeah, it's not it's not a strong appearance. And in the commentary track, uh, they they all talk about how they got to bring out their favorite heroes, and they all ended badly. Nice, nice. Like they they all lost, and who, however, they did the voice of, and they explain in the commentary how they did it. But the cyborg source world source wall voice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm-mm-mm. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. And two years is the right amount of time for the time jump. Because right? it's long enough that life has changed, but it's not long enough that it doesn't, it's not still fresh. Right. Oh, People still remember hardcore. Uh, they're affected. It's, it's, I mean, overall, man, it's, it's really amazing what they did because it answers, it answers so much. Like it, it, it took true accounting of all the characters, their interactions, their powers, their stakes. It was a fantastic showcase of these different characters from this iteration of, of the DC animated universe. It's, it's really good. Like I challenge anybody to wrap up something with that level of completion. There's there's something to be said for that. So bravo to Jerry O'Connell and bravo to Chris Gorham and mm-hmm. bravo to Jason O'Mara and all of the uh, Rosario Dawson. Yep. But yep. that Wonder Woman is no more. Nope. And it was really cool that if you watch Bloodlines, at the end, she wears a more classic costume. Yes, she does. Yes, and she I, does. I think that's the Tuckerverse going, sorry. <laughs> little little nod i mean you know and if you is. look the uh on the superman model when he gets his costume both in the beginning and at the end he uh he kind of has an off color where the red would be right it's shaded differently right not for if you compare that to what he looked like in justice league war it's very different it's very very different very very different yeah but, and, I mean, and it just shows you like their fans they are we're not bad people for thinking this right and you're not bad people for saying doing the opposite and right in the beginning of this it was all about what can we do to change remember the phrase change for change sake yep and they they like reverted they did i mean and they they started off with that brilliant quote to to showcase like hey things are about to change yeah so that's it was it was great it was it was great it's a what the what movie. Yeah. It really is. It's it's a movie you got to see uh, uh, again and again and again. Congratulations to Christina Sada and Matt Peters, the co-directors. Yes. Uh, for say her name, Margaret. Yeah, Margaret. 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 Uh, Scott, the the writer. Um, right. Ernie Altbacker, who did mm-hmm. the story. Uh, just bravo! Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like bravo! Like. Such a good, such a great film. And in this quarantine time, and I want to wrap up the episode this way, in this quarantine time, I don't want to hear one of you suckers out there saying there's nothing to watch. <laughs> it's, Better don't. And they don't put... We have not done one commercial for this film. Okay? That's they're, right. They're, they're not sponsoring this. This is that good. And if you are ever, ever sitting at home, quarantined and bored... Watch this film. Yes. And I challenge anybody, and this is my NHL, because, you know, I, I, I love the NHL, and I say this, and it's my Prince analogy, too. 
go see a hockey game. Go watch a Prince concert. Look me in the eye. Tell me it's awful. Right. Same thing for this. Go mm. watch this movie. Tell me you're in any way a superhero fan. Go watch this movie and tell me it's it's garbage. It, there's no way. Right. It's incredible. And it's better if you know all the storylines from all the movies. And if there is a film that can make me watch Son of Batman again, that's incredible. <laughs> you're not wrong, though. You're not wrong at all. So very right. So Bravo. very right. Bravo I love it. to all of them. And Absolutely. whatever you whatever you're coming up with next, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Consider me there. Front row. Right. I'm 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 totally I'm totally in. The next film is Superman Man of Tomorrow. And it comes out this year and it's based on it's an original story chronicling Clark Kent's early years as Superman. Right. So it's in the spirit of John Byrne and it's in the spirit of what was that book? Birthright. Superman Birthright. Yeah, Superman Birthright. Superman for all seasons. Yep. Very, like it's it's in that realm. And he looks totally different. And he meets Lois. And he's in Smallville. And he's in Metropolis. And it's a total. And it's not. And it's not the basis of anything. At least you don't know. Right. And it's called Superman Man of Tomorrow. Can't wait. Right. Right. We might have to do our re-rankings. Oh, dude. We're definitely going to have to do that and all I over told, here. And I told James he should be in on it. Oh, bring it. Bring it. Because like you I said, imagine? man, this is... This changes stuff for me, man. Like, I, there was a lot of Justice League stuff that yeah. I was like, meh, didn't like it. This changes those movies. Uh, Under the Red Hood, I think, is still the best one. Uh, for me, it's always going to be Crisis on Two Earths. That's fine. That's yeah, another great yeah, one. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. They're, they're, they're great. They're yeah. absolutely great. And, you know, uh, I loved Killing Joke. I loved Unbound. I loved, all you know, a lot of All-Star Superman. I loved... Uh, um, public enemies. I love. There's so many I love, but Apocalypse War is right up there. It's up there. It's up there. I'm saying top five. It probably is. It probably yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, stay safe. Stay uh, quarantined. Be uh, be be. Take this stuff seriously. Still, we're not out of it yet. Please. And if you're listening in the future, tell me how we get out of this. Please. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week. This is the Hall of Justice.